Bledsoe, the head men's soccer coach at Hampton Sydney College in Virginia. Farmville, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then I've got Emmett Rakowski at Stetson University down in Florida. What? That's near Orlando. What? Uh, is it actually in Stetson? It, it's in uh, Deland, Florida. It's uh, about like 20 minutes from Daytona. Nice. So which is as beautiful as Farmville? I was going to ask, which is more desolate? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not helping you recruiting at all by asking that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the reason why we're just going to do a quick one today, and I'm going to get this one out quickly. Um, I had an email from a subscriber, and they had some questions. Uh, this is a father of a 2007 boys player, um, so class of 2025. And gave me, sent me, what, one, two, three, four, five questions, basically. And so it's good that, Tommy, you're on your D3 coach. Emmett, you're on your D1 coach. So there's different perspectives based on those divisions and that sort of thing. Um, and then we can kind of get into, you know, your specific program as well as kind of the broader picture um, with the, with when you guys answer these. So. Uh, the first question was uh, for class of 2025 boys club players, how much back and forth communication should they expect over the summer and into the fall from D1 and D3 coaches? Tommy, you want to start with your, your perspective? Yeah, sure. And I mean, I, obviously I've seen these questions and, and I know you're going to keep going through them, but like, just like to summarize them, it's basically what, should be happening for a 2025 right now, someone going into their junior year um, and the differences between if it's a division three and a division one school. And I think Emmett's answer is going to be way different than mine. Um, my perspective, um, you know, from, from a D three standpoint for us, we're still working on a, a kid for the fall for our class of 2023. And um, so that, I mean, that that's unique for us, but I think the nature of things now with the transfer portal, um, with a lot of moving parts late into the year, um, I think that's going to be a reality um, going forward. So we're still, you know, working on a kid for 2023. So, you know, we have some attention there. Um, and then we're fully focused on 2024s, um, still identifying kids, putting offers out, getting kids on campus. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now. 2025s are not a priority for us at this point in time. Um, we'll still identify kids. We'll still have some level of communication, um, but right now it's it's more 2024s, IDing kids, kind of building up that database and, and going from there. So I'll have some level of communication with 25s right now. I was down in Greensboro this past weekend watching the ECNL playoffs, and um, there was one 25 in particular that's been in touch with us, and, and he played really, really well. So I made a note um, to get him on the phone and kind of start the process, and um, that's kid like that, we'll, we'll try to get to campus, you know, at some point in the fall um, or in the winter. But again, it's not a major priority um, because we're fully focused on 24s. Uh, and then for 25s, for us at the D3 level, um, particularly with the kind of guys we look at that a lot of times are tweeners and could play Division One or high-level Division Three, it changes quickly. So you could put a lot of time into these kids and then Emmett swoops in and decides he likes them. Um, and that's that. So, uh, so yeah, we, we prioritize a little bit different, but no, 2025s are, are not, you know, we're, we're not as focused on them at this point in time. 
Go ahead, Emmett. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I think a big thing is the, the personality of that particular coach at that university and how they operate. I think also maybe not divisions because uh, is probably the best way to answer this because the, you know, the Ivy and D1 or the NESCAC and D3, they probably have really similar timelines, even though they're D1 and D3. And uh, my timeline actually, although Tommy and I might have a difference in 25s, we might have a similar timeline, for example, throughout the year where we recruit pretty early on right now for 24s. We probably have about a third to a half of our class. We try to get early where I might be different than Tommy and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, we'll bring in a few in January. That might be like a gap year player or someone that slipped through the cracks. Uh, and we always bring two or three here at Stetson, for example. Uh, we actually have a player from Virginia that came in January this past year uh, that, that took about six months as a gap year. And then the the Tommy and I spoke about this a few weeks ago. The trend, I think it's starting to really hit in Division Three now, is uh, late recruiting. Uh, we just finished our last 23, actually. A um, little bit different si situation, but he played in uh, Tommy's conference in the ODAC, so he's a Division Three player. But um, he's the best player in the conference, so <laughs> decent pickup for Stetson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We have a D2 player coming as well that, uh, you know, both the D3 and the D2 player are grad players. So for us, we're taking advantage of the COVID year where we're adding a 23 and a 24 year old, which unfortunately now means that an 18 year old might not have that roster spot at Stetson. But then um, what I would tell that 18 year old is uh, you should go somewhere where you're going to play right away. Um, it, it doesn't matter if you're a D1, D2, D3, NAI, JUCO, whatever someone wants to categorize it. Um, you got to go find that right fit. And um, and so I think that's that's kind of our process in recruiting for 25s. How we do it specifically at Stetson is the last few weeks have been the uh, the most time we've spent identifying 25s because in reality we look at the Florida top teams in um, Orlando City's 17s. They're in the national semifinals. I have a great relationship with that club. We have eight players, all eight players. None of them have ever transferred out. So um, they, we have a really strong uh, you know, relationship with them. And so we have to identify a 25 and say, hey, is this guy going to be a homegrown for Orlando City? Is he even going to go to college? And then if he doesn't, how do we get him to Stetson? Uh, and, and how is he going to come to Stetson over maybe uh, the ACC or the ACC school doesn't want to wait that long? Uh, so it, it's a pretty complex part uh, to that question. And then I think once you get past that level, we're, we're looking at 25s and saying, hey, come to our ID camp because we want to see how, um, how bought in they are to Stetson specifically really interested in Stetson or are they just putting out a hundred emails to see who might, you know, be interested in them. And, and if we see them and we like them and then we really start the process over the next six months. Um, and I guess that's probably the best way I know is a little long winded, but hopefully that helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, so help me understand. Um, I know that there was like uh the date of June 15th is significant in recruiting. Is that correct? Um, 
So help the audience understand what that is. And then we're kind of backing into the question, I guess, that I initially asked. But so June 15th is the it's the first day you guys are allowed to contact recruits. Is that for both for all divisions or just specific ones? So, yeah, so that that date means nothing to me um, at the division three level. It, it doesn't work like that. Um, but for division one and, and division two as well. Right. I mean, um, it, yeah. it does work like that. So go ahead. But for division three, it doesn't matter. We don't have rules like that. You can reach out to these kids anytime. It, to be extremely real with you is like a few days before I was talking to my assistant and I was like, who are the three guys we maybe need to like call to be the first one. But I, I think it's a great discussion. If you had two or three women's coach on this call, uh, they would be like, oh, my gosh, my day is really stre- not stressful, but we're doing calls the whole day. Um, in the on the women's game, they're committing when they're freshmen or sophomore. Um, to give you an idea of a, a guy that slipped through the cracks for Stetson um, is, you know, we have a guy coming in in 23. Um, you know, I, I, I really rate him, and he was at our ID camp, and he was on – a very small club that, you know, didn't play ECNL, didn't play, obviously not MLS next, Um, you know, whatever the tiers are, it keeps going down (laughs) Um, to, to be honest with you. And we, we found him, you know, really late in the process and we, we, we think he's going to be a really good player. So we, you know, we didn't even speak to him until his senior year uh, middle, you know, middle through there. So I, I think the June 15th, is if you're in the top one percent, that's where it might, uh, you know, really. You know, and and I could give so many examples of kids who probably haven't received a call from a D one, D two, D three. They're going into their senior year. Um, their growth spurt hasn't happened. This hasn't happened, um, and they go be a really successful high end Division one player, Division three player. So as a good coach, you got to be you have to understand that the recruiting timelines are all different. There's not one path. Right. Yeah. So a kid shouldn't be freaking out if he hasn't heard from a coach, you know, at 12.01 on June 15th. Um, hey, I, I want to add to that too, Scott. I mean, I think, you know, we've been talking with a lot of different kids lately, not just like guys we're recruiting that are 24s or 25s, but also, um, you know, that I went to – Richmond kickers training the other day with the pro team and all the Richmond United youth teams were out there. Um, and I was talking to a few different people and then I was talking to a couple of parents. They have daughters that are 25s and June. And it, when I went out there, it was like June 17th. So the 15th had just happened. Uh, and they, they had heard from a bunch of schools. They had been called that first day. Um, so like Emmett said, it is way different. Um, on the women's side. And then I think the other thing with that is it changes really, really fast. So there was probably a bunch of 24s and 25s on the boys side that didn't hear from any coaches or had only been in touch with one or two schools. And then they just played in the ECNL playoffs this past week. And now they're going to hear from 10 different schools just based on that event. So I think it changes really, really quickly. And that happens in the summer months. That happens early in August. It happens at some of these big recruiting events in November, early December, that type of thing. So I think it it shifts really, really quickly, and it's important to just continue to be proactive, continue to identify schools that you think would be a good fit for yourself, and then 
things tend to pick up steam over time. And to add to that, one of the specific example, I'll give you a specific example. One of um, someone Tommy and I are are, are very close with, played with, uh, you know, it's high up in one of the the big academies in the U.S. So an example for us at Stetson is uh, we're always looking for somebody that, you know, might slip through the cracks. Uh, They have a player that tore, I think it was Tara's ACL. Uh, He tore it last year and um, he was on a pro path. And um, a lot of 25s, uh, when you talk to them that are guys right now, they're like, yeah, I really want to play pro. And you're just like, well, you know, I, I want to I coach in the Premier League as well. Yeah, right. So <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I love the ambition, but um, a lot of guys still at that age still think that's a really big possibility. So the, which is fine. I think that's it's not a bad thing. It's just uh, they haven't reality hasn't totally set in with a lot of twenty fives with on the guys side. Um, but going back to this player, he tore his ACL. He's on a pro pathway actually, and um, just was able to start playing this past week. So for me, and he's a twenty four. For me, that's a great sign because that means a lot of the big. Uh, maybe what, whatever you want to call it, power five schools, uh, haven't seen him. Um, he's probably a little off that pro pathway now. So then, uh, we watch him a little bit and we're like, oh, that, that, that kid really interests us. And when we call him and he says, Hey, you're, you're the only school that's called us. Um, that, that, that's, that, that's good for Stetson, right? You know, um, yep. that, that's like an under the radar guy. And it was because like Tommy just talked about, there is an injury that happened came back um schools probably were recruiting him actually a year ago uh and then kind of forgot about him yeah um the under the radar guys are always the the good ones huh um so the next question i'm trying to read through it and make sure that you guys haven't already answered it it's uh if coaches are interested should a player expect a lot of communication interest from coaches this early or are coaches still rounding out the class of 2024 recruits? You guys have answered that. I mean, you're still working on 24s for sure. Um, we we only have one 24 <clears throat> commit. Uh, I think Tommy and I actually, we're just finished the 23 recruits this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so really, you're, a 2025 is going to be like way up there, like, one percent, you said, basically. Um, I'm trying to gauge same answer. All right, so our coaches using this time as a discovery phase for the class of 25, the rising juniors, or do they already have a good idea of who they want to recruit and have the list narrowed down? So, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my perspective first. We are absolutely using this time as a discovery phase for 25s and 24s, and they'll continue to be that way through the fall. And really, the fall will be still, and, and this summer, because we got ID camps coming up. It's going to ask you thing. Yep. So right now is very much a discovery phase for sure of 24s. That's our focus. But if we see 25s, like I was at Virginia Tech camp last week, there was a 25 in my group who was excellent. So absolutely, like I make note of that. I put them on our radar. I'll mm-hmm. go watch them in the in the season, in the fall, potentially, definitely in the spring. And uh, and we'll get the process going from there, hopefully. But 
but yeah, so no, twenty fours are the focus, um, and and we're still discovering them, and twenty fives as well. And then once we get through the fall, we truly shift to focusing on twenty fives. Because at that point, we should have identified all the twenty fours um, that'll round out our class. Granted, there can always be some late movement type of thing with the transfer portal or, or whatever else, but but yeah, that that's kind of the the phase we're in at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you got anything different there, or is it pretty much the same? Yeah, pretty pretty similar. Yeah. I think uh, when we're identifying a twenty-five, sometimes we're trying to see with guys. It's it's so different. Their 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 bodies are still developing. Um, so sometimes when we're watching them play, we we just really want to watch them for three to six months to a year. And I think part of the recruiting process to answer this question is is uh, how they're coachable when you're recruiting them. So if you're giving them feedback when you watch them play, this is important to us at Stetson is, hey, when we watch them play, do they take in maybe some feedback we give them and then we see them really improve and, um, you know, they really talk about it. Because if they're doing that at that age, I can see that they're really going to maybe take another step once they're here at Stetson. And so that's that that's something that's maybe really important to us is getting to almost coach them a little bit or be get to know them, see how their mentality is, how do they develop? Because when you're 16, 17, 18, that's a really big growth stage, not just as a take soccer away, but you're you're going from that boy to them in your yep. development. Um, and I think that's a that's a pretty that's a critical variable uh, in this process. Yeah, yeah, I have. That's so, uh, Go ahead, Tommy. Okay, so I was going to add, again, for us, I think it's unique with, you know, the, the higher end of Division three, where there's some overlap with kids being recruited at Division one level. I mean, if we start identifying and going after, like, these 25s now, again, it, it changes so quick um, with the D1 coming in. So it's, it's not really worth our time. Um, and, and sometimes with these kids, they're not receptive to a Division three school early in their junior year like that because they assume they're going to play division one. So like for instance, um, Richmond United is a club we recruit from a ton. We know the coaches really well, uh, particularly that their previous coach, I used to just reach out to them like every two weeks about certain guys and be like, what's the situation with so-and-so? He'd be like, ah, he's still holding out hope for whatever insert middle of the pack division one school. And he'd be like, check back with me in, in a month. And that type of thing, or check back with me after the ECNL South Carolina event. So it's like that, and I think a lot of times you you just you stay patient and you wait on these kids, um, and then they become more open minded and, and they have maybe a reality check as the process goes on. The other thing I learned, I think it was my first year coaching at Lynchburg all these years ago. We had a spring where we brought in all these juniors uh, to visit over the course of a week. And I think we brought like three of them, like in back to back to back days, the visits went great. Um, they were all great players. And then the next week, all three committed to division one schools in the state. And I was like, ah, maybe I should have been more patient with that. So I think there's, there's that side of it too. You just want to make sure you're putting your resources and your time into the right things. And sometimes it pays to be patient with these guys. Um, you know, and, and again, they get more open-minded as the process goes on potentially. Yeah. Um, let's go back to ID camps. I'm, I'm certain you guys are both 
involved in ID camps this summer. Um, you know, obviously there's there's the camp that says camp's the wrong word because we're talking about camp, but like there's the portion of people and parents specifically who say, you know, it's just the coaches trying to make a buck, right? Um, which I, I don't know why anyone would fault you guys for trying to make some money, but I mean, there's there's uh, there's some definite benefit to you know a kid attending a camp where there are schools present that they're you know in the running for. So you know, talk about the benefits of going to a camp. You know, whether it's getting seen as as a player or interacting with a coach off the field. You know, all those different factors that you know being outside of the normal setting. Um, allow you guys to see them and and um, yeah. So talk about that a little bit. You want to go, um, Emmett? Yeah, the I I, I really enjoy RID camps are, are something that we take really seriously. I think every in December we had a camp and we signed three from that camp. Uh, you know, almost every ID camp, we're identifying someone that's either really young or someone that slips through the radar. I also think Florida in particular, it's not as well regimented, structured probably as a state where I grew up and Tommy's coaching in Virginia. A lot of guys go under the radar in Florida. Guys are going to gap years, even more here. Guys, in, especially in South Florida, the um, now Orlando's like this too. I think Tampa does a good job, but Orlando and Miami, they're not, the college culture is not as strong as the state of Virginia. Um, you know, the, the, they don't understand it as much. So you get players are really late in the process, but the ID camp for us, it's just Stetson that we have at our ID camp. What we do is we send film to anybody, any coaches that want it. And uh, some division three, division two schools will always ask for it. But I, I find the reason I like it is because we get to personally train and work with players and see how they react when we're coaching them, when we give them feedback, you know, are they defensive? <laughs> are they more, you know, are they, do they kind of have a guarded mindset? Are they looking to take it in and get better? Um, you know, in the heat of the competition, if it's if you put them in an activity where the you know the competitive juices are really flowing, uh, how do they react? You know, th things like that, and they're on your campus. And I think when they're on campus, when we're a school of twenty five hundred and we compete with UCF that has seventy thousand down the street, uh, I want to make sure that player feels really comfortable being on our campus being at our camp because those are two really different schools. So for me, it's, it's not just about the soccer, which I think a lot of parents or a lot of players think it's just a soccer piece. It's sometimes being here at Stetson also DeLand and seeing it firsthand being here so that the player, whether he does really well at the camp or not, can go back home on that ride home and say, Hey, I envision myself going here or, you know, I didn't really like that place. Regardless of that part of the equation, now at least they have a really good solidified answer, hopefully, which is good for both parties. And I think now is a really good time for 2025 to start attending some of these ID camps. Um, you get noticed more easily. 
And again, like Emmett said, a lot of those points, they get a good feel for the process, the school, et cetera. Um, yeah, so I think now's a great time for 25 to start attending some of these camps. I do think it, it, it can be important. Don't go to 10 of them, um, but, but go to one or two this summer. Pick out places you're truly interested in. Uh, like, I mean, for instance, I'm going to go to UVA's next week, and I'm sure there's going to be an excellent level of play there, and hopefully uh, we can get some traction with some guys. I'm going to CNU, William & Mary's camp after that, and every single year I go to that, and every single year I identify kids there, and they show up on our roster down the line. So, uh, again, I, I, th- I think it's important, but, again, I don't think kids need to go crazy, but they, they do get a lot out of it. Uh, I think attending coaches, even though we're not hosting one this summer, uh, it's, it's easy for me to watch these guys in, in this type of setting. And, again, I think particularly some of the younger guys you haven't seen before can really catch the eye. So, yeah, good, good time of year for that, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a two-way evaluation, and um... – yeah, it's important. You can you can also pick up on intangibles in the uh, a little easier, I would assume, in a, at an ID camp. Um, yeah, you get to know these kids a little bit. Yeah, and you see them for a longer span of time, and yeah, and if and if someone's gonna commit a day or two to come to you, you know, then you know you're saying something about your commitment to doing a true investigation. So, um, yeah, you guys have anything else on this or? I didn't want it to be, I don't want to keep you guys and I didn't want it to be a long uh, recording, but um, yeah, if you have anything else that you want to throw out there, feel free. I, I, I just want to add one thing. I think the questions you're getting from that parent of uh, 2025 are great. This is the stuff they should be thinking about at this point in the year. Mm-hmm. Start being proactive, start identifying some schools. Don't be discouraged if you're not getting a ton of communication from college coaches, because again, it changes really, really quickly, but absolutely they should be thinking about it, even if they're not hearing from a ton of schools right now, and then they can start to take some steps, go to an ID camp or two, go watch a couple college games this fall, and then the process can can really kind of take off from there. Yeah, I think always, no matter if you're at one of the top clubs um, or not, going to an ID camp can be, there's a lot of benefits because if you go to an ID camp and um, they don't, you have division one, division three and division two NAI and uh, you know, you're, you're emailing, let's say I'll use Florida state as an example, since they don't have a, a program, you're emailing Florida state men's soccer, uh, big division one in the ACC. Obviously they do not have a program, but um, they, you know, they contact you. That's great. But if you go to a, a ID camp and you have 15 schools and they're across two to three divisions and you get an email back from one school that's, you know, maybe a junior college or something like that, that should be a little bit of a checkup or a reality check. And if you don't believe it, well, then go to another one. And then over time, it's probably going to you're going to find that mean or median uh, uh, of where you fit in this pecking order. And every coach is looking for different attributes, but over time, the process generally good players are, are found. Um, and, 